Hello my renegades, welcome back to Rogue Radio, my name is Sarah Jane and today is Renegade Times and uh, we have a Renegade Tales episode coming up where people come up and they tell their life story or their, um, you know, testimony of, you know, where they came from and what they came out of and stuff like that. And this person I've, I've known for a while, so um, it'll be very interesting to hear her story. But, um, yeah, let's do it. So, this morning around 6, I ended up looking through my phone and I find out that Twitch has died. You guys don't know who Twitch is. Um, he's most... He's mostly known as the head DJ for the Ellen DeGeneres show, but before that he was one of the contestants and I think one of the winners, don't quote me, I'm not very sure, it's been so long, but on So You Think You Can Dance. And uh, I loved him, he was um, a very good dancer, that's one of the reasons why I really liked him, he was very talented. And... um, it has been said that he um, committed suicide. And me having hearing this and having um, knowing that he is the DJ for um, for the Ellen DeGeneres show, I think that there was something more there, but I'm not gonna be a conspiracy theorist today. Now, I'm not going to sit here and assume that Twitch has gone through mental health problems. I can't say that for sure. But being a recovery coach, someone who becomes suicidal like that, if he did commit suicide, it would most likely fall into that category. And I don't usually talk about celebrities in Hollywood at all just because I I'm not that updated in that type of way I I just don't pay attention to Hollywood anymore but there are some celebrities that I do still like and Twitch was one of them so it kind of surprised me that he committed suicide you know you would never have known he seemed like such a happy person but we've lost a lot of good people that put smiles on our faces because they smiled or because they have kind of had that upbeat type of way about them and that's a way of distracting you from their pain. Uh, Robin Williams did it. Um, Little Richard has done it. A lot of people that we have lost have put smiles on our faces and we don't usually ask the person that makes us happy that it doesn't even have to be about 
celebrities, but the one person that seems happy and makes us happy, we don't usually say, how are you feeling? And I just kind of want to say that I urge everyone who's listening right now, check on your husbands, your boyfriends, your brothers, your fathers, grandfathers, uncles, cousins, all your male friends, because all of, all of my life, I've always kind of seen like the male role models in my life, um, they're like superheroes to me. I hold them to a very high esteem and I very much respect them. And there's no way that I would second guess their opinion or their judgment because they're my leaders. They are my leaders in my family. And in a world where right now men are demonized because of their gender, Men feel so much. I just want to stress that to everybody. I don't care about anybody's argument on gender roles because this is what I believe. And to be honest, it doesn't matter what you believe because this is the truth. Men are the protectors. They are the stronghold of the family. They are the fortress. They are the ones that take the brunt of any situation in order to protect their family. Most people, especially women, don't realize how hard that is. Sometimes I forget. Men in general, whether they're fathers or husbands or brothers, they're not going to show you their emotion because they're men. They know their role. Deep down in their spirit, they know their role in life. So, especially husbands, I know he had a a wife and beautiful children. He was doing his best to be a father and a husband. I don't know what would make him hurt himself so terribly, but men go through so much mentally. You guys don't see it. Most of the time you never see it because they're meant to be strong. I just want to stress to any male out there, you're allowed to be weak. You're allowed to feel what you feel. And you're allowed to seek help. And you are allowed to express yourself. Because at the end of the day, you are human. And we all need each other. We all need help. Especially men. 
Men need to support men. Women need to support men more. I can I can tell you that I've worked in my job at the recovery center for three years and most of the guests that come in are men and they've gone through so much and you know what I'm proud of each and every one of them because they have come to us for help they talk to me they talk to us they express themselves they feel everything they need to feel and then we send them off whenever they're better it shouldn't be this way men shouldn't have to go through that they shouldn't have to go through all of that mentally just because of their responsibility and I'm probably just saying this because I have so much passion for what I do and um, the the things that I've seen and the things that my guests have told me about their lives and I just want to let you guys know you men that feel like you're on your last please don't do it please don't there's someone out there that loves you that will miss you Please take care of yourself. Because someone out there needs you. You have a purpose. Okay? Love you. guys hear stuff in the background that is my two nephews <laughs> I think they're trying to yeah they're trying to get into the bedroom <laughs> first up of course is politics yay my favorite not really CNN is pissed off, so let's see. I love pissing off CNN. I like it when they're upset, so I mean, whatever. But anyway, CNN threatens to reevaluate relationship with Twitter after reporter suspended. After one of its reporters was suspended on Thursday, CNN said it would reevaluate its relationship with Twitter depending on explanation given for the suspension. The statement was issued after CNN's Donnie O'Sullivan was suspended, among other members of the media, amid a crackdown on those who uh, track the location of private jets, including own, the one owned by Elon Musk. Okay, the impulsive and unjustified suspension of a number of reporters, including CNN's Donnie O'Sullivan, is concerning but not surprising. So, the statement issued 
of the media amid a crackdown on those who track the location of... Why do you need to track the location of private jets? Why do you need to do that, CNN? That sounds sketchy anyways. Like, in general. Why the hell would you want to do something like that? Uh, Well, of course, the left wing would always say, Oh, your privacy is my privacy. Okay, yeah, no privacy at all, I guess. Um, I don't like people in private jets, especially like evangelists and preachers, but let's not go there. But I mean, they have the right to be upset at this. But uh, Twitter's increasing instability and volatility (laughs) should be of incredible concern for everyone who uses the platform. We have asked Twitter for an explanation, and we will reevaluate our relationship based on that response. Statement added. <laughs> well, other reporters uh, who cover Musk were also suspended on Thursday, including including reporters from Washington Post, the New York Times, and the Intercept. Um, let's see. Twitter was not has not commented on these specific accounts of press time without commenting on any specific accounts I can confirm we will suspend any accounts that violate our privacy policies and put other users at risk Ella Irwin Twitter's head of trust and safety told The Verge Musk tweeted that those who have engaged in doxing uh, receive a seven-day suspension Okay. I like Elon Musk, to be honest. I mean, he's really trying to turn the platform around. But I know a lot of people don't like the fact that he's letting Donald Trump back on and everything like that. But I really like what he's trying to do. But I think everybody has the right to their opinion, whether or not it makes someone feel unsafe. You know? Go to your safe space if that's really what bothers you is that Trump is back on. Like, go ahead, suck your thumb, go to your safe place and stick your finger up your bum, you're fine. Anyway, some doxing rules apply to journalists as to everyone else, he said uh, in one tweet. They posted my exact real-time location, basically assassination coordinates, an obvious direct violation of Twitter terms and service, he added in another. (laughs) Wow. They're trying to take down Musk. (sighs) On Wednesday, Twitter um, updated its private information policy and suspended an account that used publicly safe or publicly available flight data to track Musk's private jet. See, why do you have to do that? Why why in the world would you even want to do something like that? You don't do that. Um, And Musk said in a tweet, crazy stalker attacked um, a car in Los Angeles carrying one of his young children. Okay. Um, O'Sullivan was suspended after... uh, posting a tweet about his claim according to screenshots reported by the Washington Post. Criticize me all day, it's totally fine, but doxing 
My real-time location and endangering my family is not, Musk tweeted on Thursday. Musk completed his $44 billion purchase of Twitter in late October and promoted the release of the Twitter files, which have shown internal discussions about major decisions within Twitter before um, his takeover, including efforts to address certain accounts and posts. In November, CBS News said that it was pausing its activity um, on the platform out of an abundance of caution, only to resume posting a couple of days later. Okay, CBS. Oh boy, okay. Alright. Parents' rights activists fight this and mocks AOC's tax the rich gown. In testimony before the House Oversight Committee on Tuesday, Asara Nomani, um, a parents' activist uh, who parents' rights activist who grew up in India before emerging t- into the U.S. at the age of four, lambasted woke zealots for indoctrinating school children into critical race theory. I don't know how many times I have to say it. Kids don't understand race. They see a a kid sees another kid and they're like, oh, I want to see the skin color. You guys indoctrinating the fact that they need to be scared of a certain skin color is exactly what happened when segregation was around back in the day. Okay. Everybody had um, black and white. Like, they... See, now I'm starting to get angry. They separated the public bathrooms into white males, black males, white women, black women. Like, bathrooms. You don't need to do that. There were even times when um, people who were people of color that went into uh, work in a white household, they would get a separate bathroom because they thought that black people had AIDS. Like, why? Like, I understand the anger from the black community because of how they were treated back then. But I also don't think that white people need to be treated that way either. I don't think... Um, a slave for a slave works. I don't think you should be enslaving white people. I don't think you should be enslaving black people. I don't think you guys should think of each other as inferior or hateful or spiteful or anything like that. I'm I'm the type of person that I see someone's soul and it's wrapped up in a body. It doesn't really matter what color it is. The color to me is just an artistic choice that God made. Okay, that's it. I don't understand why everybody is getting so bent up out of the fact that some people are white, some people are Mexican, some people are Asian, and some people are black. 
makes no sense. Yes, we do have history where we have done so many terrible things to each other. It's not just black history, it's Hispanic history, it's Irish history, it is, um, uh, I'm trying to think of it. It is Middle Eastern, it's Israeli, it is everywhere, hatred is everywhere. And teaching kids about critical race theory is just going to teach each other how to hate each other, so, I mean, okay. I don't like it. (laughs) But Nomani started her testimony by noting that the group in West Virginia, a mostly white state, um... And yet, she was welcomed and became sex- successful. Jeez. What in the world's wrong with me? Successful in America. I was affirmed, I was supported, and I was um, able to grow up a girl who knew not a word of English when I arrived to become a reporter for the Wall Street Journal, she recalled, before blasting those accusing parents' rights activists of being representatives of white supremacy, I'm sitting here uh, before you today, apparently the face of supremacy, white supremacy. Um, She also drew attention to the shirt um, she was wearing, which was, as she said, was inspired by the gown that Representative Ocasio-Cortez wore to the Met Gala, which emblazoned with tax the rich all right um the shirt contained names of that nomani said she had been called during the course of her advocacy on behalf of the parents wow (laughs) on behalf of parents sorry yeah okay um things like domestic terrorists white supremacists QAnon moms uh what is that we, the parents, have dared to stand up against in the United States over the last couple of years, Nomani told the panel. She answered her own question, holding up a copy of the Critical Race race Theory book. It is a divisive ideology um, expressed through this book. It is a book that is taught in law schools, but is translated into our school systems with books like this. Not my idea. A book about whiteness, she said. The trickle-down effect of the demonization of any human being because of their race is books like this, she declared. Where does this book take us as an idea? It takes us to this very simple idea. An idea that a new hierarchy of human value... There is no doubt that the hierarchy of human value was about white supremacy. I'm sorry, hang on. There's no doubt that the hierarchy of human value that was about white supremacy is illegitimate. Thank you, mouth, for actually saying the right words. Every single person is opposed to the idea of white supremacy. But we cannot replace old hierarchy of human value with a new hierarchy of human value that demonizes children with this book. See, now I can see it right now because it's it's like, whiteness is a bad deal. 
filing a contract with the devil. What in the world? That's a quote from the actual book that she was arguing about. I can already see it, like, in in classrooms. Like, are we going back to segregation? Is that what's going on? Because I feel like that's a bad idea because... I have a black and white family, and I love each and every one of them. Don't separate me from them. Don't call me white privileged. And I really... I would love it. I would love it if some bystander called my kid, or any of the kids that are in my family, white privileged, or whatever. I would beat the shit out of them. I really would. I mean, like, don't, don't indoctrinate my kids like that. Don't, don't do that. Don't do that. You're- no. No. I don't care. Regardless of what- no. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm gonna keep going, but I already see it happening. I see it in my head where it's like, okay, class, so I want you guys to divide up into groups. The kids of color over on this side and white kids over there. And then she just goes up on a spiel about how white kids should not be privileged as much as everybody else in the classroom. Like, why are you trying to teach kids about racism? Like I said, black and white kids, they get along most of the time. Especially when they're real little and they get introduced as friends. They love each other. They will hug each other. I love that. I love that. Go ahead. Hug each other. That's exactly what we need. But we have adults that hate each other so much because of the color of their freaking skin that they've decided to write a book and say, we need to indoctrinate kids and say, white people are bad. White children are bad. So you shouldn't play with them on the playground because they're white. Okay. We'll see how that how we'll see how that fares 10 years from now. 20 years from now. 30. I can tell you right now it's probably going to be a post-apocalyptic world because nobody's going to get along and everybody's going to hate everyone. And the people who actually see it differently are probably not even going to be listened to. Because the the screaming voices of hate are the ones that are going to be drowning them out. That's how I see it. I feel like that's where we're headed if we keep doing that to children. It is an ideology that I call the woke army, she stated. It is an ideology of activists who are going through America's school districts and our communities. Um... And what they are doing is a threat to democracy. I believe it. After pointing out the poor school records of students in uh, Raskins and Michigan Democrat Rashida Talib's district, she asserted, Our children are in a crisis today, and the idea that parents are now the agents of white supremacy is unacceptable. All of these books that I have here today are the indoctrination that is being put into the minds of children instead of the fundamentals and the critical are that are critical to make them educated 
that are critical to make them educated, enlightened citizens that protect our democracy. Okay. So I guess this is her speech. I wonder if I can play it. So my name is Astra Namani. I came to the United States at the age of four. I was an immigrant to the great state of New Jersey, and I grew up in Morgantown, West Virginia, a mostly white state. I was affirmed, I was supported, and I was able to grow up a girl who knew not a word of English when I arrived to become a reporter for the Wall Street Journal. I am sitting here before you today, apparently the face of white supremacy. I am wearing a shirt that my father made. My father survived literally white supremacy in India. My father is five foot three because when he was a boy, the white supremacists that were the British rule in India literally funneled food away from the people of India and my father starved. And so he grew up to be a young man who came to the United States of America because he believed in the values and principles of this great nation. My father made this shirt for me, inspired by the gown that Representative Ocasio-Cortez wore to the Met Gala. And it says on here the names that we, the parents in the United States of America, have been called, including in the video that you featured, Chairman Raskin. Things like domestic terrorist, white supremacist, QAnon moms. What is it that we, the parents, have dared to stand up against in the United States of America over the last couple of years? It is a divisive ideology expressed through this book called Critical Race Theory. It is a book that is taught in law schools, but it is translated into our school systems with books like this, Not My Idea, a book about whiteness. The trickle-down effect of the demonization of any human being because of their race is books like this. Where does this book take us as an idea? It takes us to this very simple idea, an idea that is a new hierarchy of human value. There is no doubt that the hierarchy of human value that was about white supremacy is illegitimate. Every single person is opposed to the idea of white supremacy. But we cannot replace an old hierarchy of human value with a new hierarchy of human value that demonizes children with this book, Whiteness is a Bad Deal, Signing a Contract with the Devil. What is the message in this? The message is the shaming of human beings. No child should be shamed. And why is this a threat to our democracy? Because we then have posters like this one in the Los Angeles School District. What does it say? F America with KKK replacing the C. Because the idea is that our nation has become a white supremacist nation. And that is not true. That is not the reality. And we can see exhibited here today this poster also, F the police. This is an ideology that I call the woke army. It is an ideology of activists who are going through America's school districts and our communities. And what they are doing is a threat to democracy. What is the greatest threat that our children face today? 
It has happened in our school districts. The Department of Justice declares clearly the characteristics that lead any human being to extremism include having less education. Chairman Raskin, I don't know if you know it, but the reading level in your school district, in Montgomery County Schools, is at 32% of kids that are reading at, at grade level. Math is at 30%. Congressman, Congresswoman Talib is here. In Detroit, it's 18% and then 12% for math. It is a failure. This is a system failure. White supremacy must be defeated, as must all extremism. This is our mandate as adults for our children. Our children are in a crisis today, and the idea that we, the parents, are now the agents of white supremacy is unacceptable. All of these books that I have here today are the indoctrination that are being put into the minds of our children instead of the fundamentals that are critical to make them educated, enlightened citizens that protect our democracy. That is our greatest mandate, and that is the one that I am honored to serve with you to realize for our children. Thank you so much. Thanks. I love that. I love that. Life hack 101, okay? I'll give you a life hack. If Nancy Pelosi gets upset with you, just throw her some fucking dark chocolate. (laughs) She'll be okay. (laughs) Anyway, don't bother me. Uh, Pelosi snaps at reporter who dares to ask whether she'll finish her turn. Visibly irritated House Speaker Nancy Pelosi snapped at a reporter during her regular... Thursday press conference, apparently set off by a question about whether or not she plans to finish her term in the House of Representatives after um, she hands over the gavel in January. Pelosi's demeanor had been much more affable earlier in the press conference, as Mediate reported. Um, Even when the questions veered toward the congresswoman, even lightly ribbed a reporter to who suggested that because of the approaching Christmas Day Thursday uh, press briefing might be her last democratic be her last as a democratic report. You see what I'm talking about today? I j- Democratic Party leader. We're just gonna keep going. Good lord. Could be, but we may have one a day. Pelosi joked. Um, An outgoing speaker, or the outgoing speaker talked at length about her legacy as a leader within her party, saying that after, or even after decades of service, um, nothing she had ever accomplished could hold a candle to the passage of 2010's Affordable Care Act, which was championed and signed into law by President Barack Obama. Nothing in any of the years that I was uh, there compares to the Affordable Care Act. 
um, expanding health care to tens of thousands of Americans, 150 million families, having better benefits, lower cost, and no pre-existing condition, risking their access to no lifetime benefit or limits, and um, being a woman no longer a pre-existing condition, Pelosi stated. But Pelosi's attitude quickly soared when a reporter asked whether she would finish out her final term once the gavel had been relinquished. Will you commit to uh, serving your full two-year term for the people of San Francisco? The reporter asked. What is this? What is this? Don't bother me with that with a question like that, Pelosi snapped. Really? Really? Okay? I said what I'm gonna do. Those kind of questions are such a waste of my time. <laughs> In addition to turning her gavel over to an as yet unnamed new House Speaker in January, Pelosi announced shortly after the midterm election that she did not intend to seek leadership role in the next Congress. Shortly thereafter, Congresswoman Hakeem Jeffries was elected to serve the Democratic uh, leader in the House. Okay. So I just want to, I want to listen. Will you commit to serving your full two-year term for the people of San Francisco? What is this? this? Don't bother me with a question like that. Really? Really? Okay? Is that what I'm going to do? Yeah. I don't, those kind of questions are just a waste of my time. No, I'm Yes, sir. Honey, the years that you have spent as House Speaker has been a waste of America's time, sweetheart. Like, uh, you don't get to talk to the American people like that, like you're higher than everybody else. If that doesn't tell you that the Democratic Party, the elite Democratic Party, is entitled, then I don't know what will. Like, that woman needs to keep some dark chocolate in her pocket, that way she's nice, at least, to other people. But it's fine, it's fine. She about to leave, and I'm gonna celebrate. I'm gonna celebrate the day, the day that she leaves. Alright, I'm gonna be happy. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna love that. I think it's time for a break. Next up is random stuff I find. Listen, I think, I think I may have spoken too soon. I think we need to let Nancy Pelosi know that dark chocolate has some heavy metals in it before she eats it. I mean, who's gonna tell her? Who's gonna- Oh. No- No one's gonna- You guys are jerks. <laughs> okay, yeah. Um, let us get into this real quick. Continue. 
long viewed as healthier than other sweet treats. Some kinds of dark chocolate contain potentially dangerous amounts of heavy metals, according to research uh, released on Thursday by Consumer Reports. Scientists that are at the nonprofit advocacy organization recently measured the amount of heavy metals in 28 popular brands of dark chocolate bars um, and found cad- cadmium and lead in all of them. For 23 of the bars, consuming just an ounce a day would put an adult over the level of at least one of the metals that could be harmful, CR said. Five of the bars were above those levels uh, for both cadmium and lead. Jeez. Okay, I'm not eating any more dark chocolate. Give it all to Pelosi. Um, Long-term exposure, even small amounts of heavy metals, can lead to a slew of health issues, including developmental problems of the brain, developmental or development in young children, experts say. Okay. Um, But there are risks for people of any age. Um, Frequent exposure to lead in adults can lead to nervous system problems, hypertension, immune system suppression, kidney damage, and reproductive issues, he noted. While most of the chocolate bars uh, tested contained uh, concerning levels of lead cardamom, cadmium or both five uh, had relatively low levels of metals Um, that shows that it's possible for companies to make products with lower amounts of heavy metals um, and for customers to find safer products that they enjoy see this is the problem when you know candy or food is like made in factories since there is a high demand I understand why there are factories but the risk of eating things from factories is that there's micro metals in them there's metal shavings in them somewhere um, there's traces of lead and cadmium in some of these foods so that's kind of why we need like people who are farmers and they are have their own business they know what they're doing they grow their wheat and everything like that and people should be able to kind of like locate their you know local farm or local um like privately owned businesses you know what i mean like independent businesses that sell food that's what i'm trying to say um in order for people to not have like any problems with that um me and my husband, we go to a, um, <laughs> we go to a, um, independently owned business called Monette's here in my town, and we get our fresh fruits and vegetables there, our meat, our everything, and that is just our way of kind of, like, taking care of our own bodies in the best way that we can, because a lot of packaged food has wood or metal or plastic And it's all because it's been made in a factory that has traces of metal and all that in it. So uh, my suggestion is if you really want some chocolate, find a chocolatier that is doing it in front of you. That is like making it in front of you. Or a privately owned business that is actually making it 
by themselves in order for other people. Like, there's people who make candy right in front of people. It's now a trend to go to a candy shop where things are made in front of you. And everything, everything is pure. Anyway, in determining the risks for the chocolate it tested, CR used California's maximum allowable dose level of 0.5 micrograms of lead um, and 4.1 micrograms of cadmium cadmium, um, as there are no federal limits. There are no federal limits for cadmium and lead to be in foods. Y'all want us to die. Stupid assholes. CR found that an ounce of Hershey's special dark, uh, mildly sweet chocolate contained 265% of lead above what California allows. Trader Joe's dark chocolate is 72% cacao, holding 192% more of lead. Trader Joe's didn't immediately respond to the request for comment. A spokesperson for Hershey's deferred the National Confectioners um, Association for comment. In an entailed statement, the trade group objected to CR's use of levels set by California, noting that the state does not set federal food safety standards. Yeah, no, the FDA wants us all to die. There was a TikTok video that I actually posted. Uh, hopefully, it's on my Instagram. And it does say that there's a document out there saying that a certain amount of people had to die before 2023. So, please be mindful of that when you hear stuff like this. When I read stuff like this, please be nice to your body. There's a lot of things that, you know... I have personally cut out just because I know that it's not good for my body. It's not good for my body to function normally. I don't eat fast food anymore. I only drink water and I put things in my water like lemon and cucumber. I eat cucumber, all of that stuff. You have to be better to your body. And I know that sounds hard and yes, of course, your body is going to change much more once you start cutting out those things. And I don't want to sit here and tell you how to live, but I do care about my listeners, and I just want to say that they're poisoning us, so be careful. You need to listen to what your body's telling you. If you're starting to throw up out of nowhere, maybe it's food poisoning and not the flu. Maybe there's chemicals that your body is reacting to that it's expelling. The products cited in this study are in compliance with the strict quality and safety requirements. A spokesperson for the group stated in an email to CBS Money Watch, food safety and product quality remain our highest priorities and we remain dedicated to being transparent and socially responsible. The Confectioners Association in August released research showing ways that lead and cadmium 
in chocolate could be reduced, including having cocoa farmers plant new tree stock. According to CR's findings, the safer choices are mast organic dark chocolate, 80% cacao. Oh, so these are the the safer choices for so there's mass dark chocolate so that's 80% cacao CR found an ounce of one an ounce of contained 14% the lead and 40% less cadmium than um, California's allowable limits Taza chocolate organic deliciously dark chocolate 70% cacao held 33% less and 74% less cadmium um i don't know how to say that girardelli um intense dark chocolate 86 percent cacao contains 36 percent less um lead and 39 percent less cadmium um then there's uh girardelli uh intense dark chocolate twilight delight lead contained was 16 or 61 percent below the allowable level and cadmium was 96 percent beneath its allowable limit valhorna or no val valrona why do they say why do they why do you guys gotta say why you guys got to name these things confusing words i don't understand but Valrona Abinayo dark chocolate. <laughs> 85% cacao. Uh, lead was 63% and cadmium was uh, 73% below. So, I would say that that last one that I had the hardest time talking um, and figuring out how to pronounce it is the best choice for you guys to eat. So, Okay, before we get into this, um, you know, article that I'm about to read, it actually kind of made me mad at the fact that they named it this, but it, I mean, it's fine. Hopefully it's clickbait, but, um, I want to talk to you guys about my little weight loss testimony. Um, I, back in the day when I was 2021, 20, I was overweight and I mean, I was young and, um, I didn't really have any restrictions on anything at the time because I was depressed and I also just moved into my first apartment. So I didn't really have anything to do except for, you know, go to work and then come home and eat. And that was it. I didn't have any friends around at the time. I didn't make any friends at first. But, um, it was hard and I was, I was overweight and, um, I didn't fit into my clothes anymore. I had to, you know, buy sizes up and stuff like that. So, um, I didn't really think much of it until I started seeing myself in pictures and I was like, wow, I don't ever want to look like that again. And so I ended up 
watching this show and I know you guys are probably gonna think I'm a maniac or an, a weird person for even saying this but I remember before I went to work I turned on the TV because I had some time before I had to go to work and I saw this guy in a blue tracksuit jumping around and teaching kids how to be fit. And I was like, what in the world? This is such a weird show. What is this? It was Lazy Town. <laughs> so I was actually kind of um, interested also. You know, when something comes at me weird, I have to look into it. So I ended up looking into the show and it teaches kids how to be fit. It teaches kids how to be fit for life. And me being 21 at the time, okay, please don't think I'm weird, okay? It actually worked. <laughs> but I, <laughs> I ended up watching like three or four episodes um, when I was that age and it taught me the basics of how to lose weight and it worked so well I lost 37 pounds <laughs> 37 pounds I shaved off 30, 37 pounds by watching Lazy Town and it just taught me to like eat when you're hungry stop when you're full or even when you're content, you don't want to overeat. And then just move around when you're bored, especially when you're bored. Because a lot of us Americans, <laughs> we eat when we're bored. We eat when we're depressed. We stress eat, all of that. So um, I learned just by watching Lazy Town how to train myself into um, losing weight. I introduced my nieces and nephews to it. They loved it. They started eating sports candy. They started eating fruit and vegetables more. And I was really happy. Um, I had more energy. I wasn't like sleeping all the time. I wasn't eating like bad stuff for me. Um, I would have days where I wouldn't have any choice but to eat like pizza like if I was out with my family and they only had like really bad stuff to eat, then I would just kind of cut down my portion and eat only a certain amount of food. And then I would just go out and play with my nieces and nephews out in the field or out in, out in the field, <laughs> out in the backyard or whatever. And that's how I kind of lost weight. It's just kind of playing with my nieces and nephews and doing things that I love to do. And, um, so yeah, that's how I lost weight. <laughs> and uh, I believe that there's a scripture in the Bible that says that you need to approach God's kingdom like a child. You need to approach God like a child. And I feel like if you approach certain things that are hard for you, like how a child sees it, it's going to be easier for you. Um, so when I started watching Lazy Town, I, I, yeah, I was an inner child. <laughs> um, I, and because of that, I learned things that I didn't learn from my parents. 
I didn't learn how to cut back. I didn't learn how to eat healthy. I didn't learn any of that from how my family ate. Um, we always had like pop and pizza and, you know, mom would cook, but, um, it would probably be high in calories or high in fat. And then of course with that din dinner, we'd have pop all the time. It, would, it wasn't good. Um, but yeah, that's what I'm trying to say, I guess. Um, I also think that, uh, humans, humans, what the fuck is, adults. <laughs> I think I'm tired. I, I babysat three kids today, so I think I'm just exhausted at the moment. Um, no, but adults, they actually complicate weight loss way too much. So when you look at things like weight loss and being healthy like a child, a child eats and then it goes and runs off and starts playing. That's the kind of mentality we need to have when we want to lose weight. We have to do, do things that are fun to us. Kids will not do anything unless it's fun, okay? If they want to swing on the swing, they're going to swing on the swing. Personally, I like doing that as well. Um, that's a whole story <laughs> of why I still like swinging on a swing. It's something from my childhood that I still enjoy today. But um, you, kids will do things that they only enjoy. And I feel like adults especially when it comes to weight loss and stuff like that. We have to start enjoying things. So do what you love that is active because everybody says that, you know, exercise in, you know, releases endorphins. So what happens if you're actually doing something that you love that is active? Okay. Yeah. Endorphins make you happy. But if you're not doing something that you love and you're releasing endorphins, those endorphins are actually kind of like not really being put to use that much. But if you're actually doing something that you do love, it does make you happier. So if you like riding a bike, that's going to release more high. You're going to want to be pushing yourself further and further and further into that. Um, if you got, if you like running, you know, you run, you know, go further and further into that. The more you do something that you love that is active, the more you're going to want to crave it. You're going to crave exercise. I've been there. I've done that. If you don't like going to the gym, then don't go to the gym. No one's making you do that. Okay. You can gain enough muscle by doing stuff at home. If you're a homebody, you can exercise at home. You can. I've done it. Um, if you don't like the gym, you can always go to the park. The park is free and you can do so many things there, you know, and if you don't like the park, you can go to the gym. If that's what makes you happy is going to the gym, then go to the gym. I'm saying everybody's, um, way of exercise is not going to be the same and none of us should be comparing each other to somebody else when it comes to losing weight or being healthier. I just want 
I just want to let you guys know that because I feel like a lot of us compare each other, especially in a gym. I don't personally like going to a gym. Um, I feel self-conscious. I feel like everybody's staring at me. I feel um, like I don't know how to use the machines properly, which I probably don't. <laughs> but um, yeah, but I want you to you guys to find your comfort zone. Put in your iPod or listen to your music, stream some music, listen to a podcast, and be able to focus on yourself in that moment when you start exercising. Your body is meant to move. Your body is meant to do things. God designed your body to move. That's why we have legs. That's why we have arms. We are meant to move. But... Now that you know how I lost weight and my advice, um, you know, I just want to let you guys know that it's not that complicated. Um, people make it more complicated than it really is. It's all about finding what you love to do and making it happen to the point where you are actually losing weight and you're actually really happy about it. Um, that's all I care about. But I'm not telling you how to live. I'm just saying if you're looking to lose weight, that's how I lost weight. You don't necessarily have to sit down and watch Lazy Town. That's just how I learned healthy habits. <laughs> that's how I learned healthy habits, guys. And I'm thankful for it. I really am. And, um, you know, hey, I mean, if a kid's show is what inspires you to get up and move, go ahead and do it. I ain't gonna tell nobody. <laughs> Everybody's gonna think I'm weird now, but it's cool. <laughs> Let's just get into the um, article real quick. Let us see. Oh, I didn't click it, did I? Oh no, it might not be here. Hang on. I think it is. Um, I'm so sorry. Here it is. Yeah, eat less and move more doesn't actually work for weight loss, according to a new study. Oh, people, people, people. See, this is why I, I get upset when I read, like, oh, my leg cracked. That felt nice. Oh, okay. Eat less, move more. It doesn't actually work for weight loss, according to a new study. Okay, sure. This super superficial advice may do more harm than good. How is it superficial when it actually works sometimes? A new study suggests you actually want to see the scale shift. That if you actually want to see the scale shift, there's here's what you need to keep in mind. Okay, ah. The yearly physical, for some, a checkup uh, with the primary care doctor feels like no big deal. A few tests, some notes, and thumbs up presented with see you next year. If you're being ch having a checkup every year, bro, no, you, t you do it at least once a month. Or at least maybe like every few weeks. 
but uh, but for millions of Americans, including most of 42% of adults who fall under the umbrella of obesity by potentially inaccurate body mass index standards, a which I do think that is inaccurate because no, <laughs> a doctor's visit can be overflowing with uncomfortable moments. We are not throwing stones at doctors, and we know that many treat patients with compassion, targeted advice, and body nu- and a, in a body-neutral way. Okay, uh, but that's not the norm. According to a study published December 13th, 2022, in the Family Practice Journal, uh, it, in it, the researchers say that in a majority of cases, doctors give patients weight loss advice that's more about too vague to be beneficial and not always supported by science. Ahead, learn more about how the researchers landed this conclusion. Okay, so what is weight loss? What this weight loss study found? Okay, a team of experts at the University of Oxford in England investigated 159 audio recordings of consultants between general practitioners and their patients who had BMIs within the ranges deemed obese. Superficial advice was common, including uh, guidance that the person should change their lifestyle a bit. Well, that is actually good advice. I know it may hurt and it may offend some people, but if you're eating a, you know, a box of Krispy Kremes a day as you go to work, that adds up. I'm just saying. And that, I know, is a very extreme metaphor and a very extreme analogy. Trust me, I don't think of everybody who is obese eats Krispy Kremes all the time. Listen, I like Krispy Kremes, it's fine. Why in the world am I digging myself into a hole? (laughs) I'm just saying that the health, the unhealthy habits that we have do add up. Only 20% of the appointments included doctors offering advice about how to actually accomplish the weight loss they were um, recommending. P.S. There is a three key habits for... Okay. Um, common suggestions included the following abstract tips which aren't actually backed by current science and in some cases are pat- patently false aren't okay um eat less and move more that's actually true i mean it, from my opinion it is standard to eat 3 meals a day when i started losing weight i only had like two different options for each meal of the day Actually, for two meals of the day, I had two different options. Um, and I would stick to that plan. Um, at dinner, I would eat whatever I wanted, just as long as it the portion was, like, smaller than I would usually have, and it worked. So, changing your lifestyle from an unhealthy to something that actually works for you, yes, that is something that you need that people need to do, especially if they're looking to lose weight and stuff like that. So eat less and move more. Yes, 
But I would also say that eat something nutritional at least and move more. Um, because once you start doing that, you start eating less food that is bad for you. You start thinking before you eat. The more energy you have to move, and every time you do move, your metabolism starts rising because you're losing weight. Your metabolism starts shedding off these pounds, and then the more your metabolism needs nutrients. So your metabolism rises, so the more your metabolism starts rising, the more food you need to eat. So yes and no. It just depends on the person, I guess. Um, just take the stairs. Uh, no, no. Um, not everybody is able to take the stairs just because some of them may be asthmatic. So I don't agree with this one at all. Um, some people might actually get hurt by taking the stairs. Um, but if you're able-bodied and yeah, yeah, you do want to lose weight, then go ahead, take the stairs. I like taking the stairs. Be careful of what you eat. Yes, you have to. Okay, I believe this one. I prove this one. Doctors, yeah, when doctors say that, be careful of what you eat. Even my doctor has told me, think before you put it in your mouth. Think before you eat that cookie or eat something bad for you. You know, I'm not saying you guys can't reward yourselves. Go ahead and do that. Especially when you've been really good for a few weeks. Go ahead. That's amazing. But I am saying that if it becomes a habit to where you are eating too much food that is bad for you. Like I said, that adds up. And it can cause health complications. So, um, yes, be careful of what you eat. When I first started, you know, losing weight, I found that sometimes before I ate something, I looked at it first and asked myself if I really wanted it. If I really wanted to eat this. Sometimes we have food just put in front of us and we don't really care about what it's doing to our bodies because it tastes so good. So because of that, that adds up if we have that mentality. Um, so I would say go ahead and take a look what's on your fork first. Take a look what's in your hand first. Look at it and really look at it and see and just ask yourself, do I really want this? Do I really need that? Is that what my body craves? Is that what my body needs? Um, reduce your carbs. Yes, I, I should say so because carbs can be, it can add up with everything. Like, it can make you fat. But I feel like a lot of foods have carbs in it. So I would say just, you know, be careful. You know, reduce it, of course, but, you know, just like cutting out bread and using, like, um, wheat tortillas or something like that will really help, too. But, um, in an app, 
to track calories or use an app to track calories as you or so you can monitor calories in and calories out yeah I mean I guess if you have a problem with doing stuff like that an app would help but not everybody has the time to go in to an app and track as like that many calories a day because they have a busy life but get as much exercise as your joints will allow uh, I, I don't agree with that one. Um, exercise is very, very important. Like I said, find something that you love to do. But I feel like whenever I start like doing crunches or push-ups or something like that, I don't feel how much it's taking a toll on this day when I get up out of bed. So, like I said, when you start regularly exercising, you get a high to a point where you're not feeling anything, you just want to keep going. But overdoing it can really hurt your muscles. I've done it before. I've actually thrown my back out from dancing because I overdid it. <laughs> but um, I would just say find a certain amount of push-ups or a certain amount of exercises that you are able to do that you know won't hurt you. Get as much exercise as your joints will allow. I mean, I guess, but like I said, sometimes your body won't tell you until like the next day that you overdid it. But uh, make your own gluten-free flour since it won't have sugar which is completely false. Gluten is a protein after all. Okay. Uh, okay. Our analysis identifies that clin clinicians, I know how to say that clinicians, doctors. Okay. We're just going to say that mostly do not provide <coughs> effective advice. Guys, I'm falling apart. <coughs> <coughs> Excuse me. Listen, if you just hold on, don't leave. I'm about to finish it. And then I'll take a nap and then I'll do world news. <laughs> um, our analysis identifies that doctors mostly do not provide effective advice. Um... And so, even if patients are to follow the advice, they would be unlikely to lose weight. If the patients were to follow the advice... Yeah, I mean, like I said, everybody, everybody's bodies respond to certain things and certain exercises, so you have to find something that works for your body. Like, to be honest, I feel like you're body has its own personality like besides yours to where it responds to certain things in order to lose weight and you just have to find that the researchers write in the journal nothing that the eat less do more angle was the go fallback recommendation when other resources weren't available so it's definitely understandable why more uh, t 
tailored, nuanced advice is challenging to provide, since our current medical system is treatment and disease-centric rather than focused on prevention, very little time during the medical school curriculum to or is spent on nutrition and physical activity. See, that's why we have nutritionists. I also feel like doctors should, should actually be nutritionists as, as well in order to kind of like treat their patients better. Because I do think that this is the problem. Like sometimes my doctor can, you know, be a dick and... I'm, I'm not even saying that as to, you know, make anybody upset, but my doctor has sometimes, you know, not denied treatment, but he was like, oh, well, you don't need this when I've asked, like, you need to do this for me, please do it. But he's like, no, you don't need it. I'm like, you can't tell me what I need, dude. I need this. So please get it for me or set it up to where we can get treated this way but it's it's whatever um this is another great reason why it's important to consult experts specialized in these fields like um registered dietitians and physical therapists plus doctors are even too are often too short on time um to really get to know their patients habits and other external factors that might impact overall well-being say access to a safe place to exercise or need to work or the need to work three jobs to pay the bills wait what a safe place to exercise who's harassing anybody in a gym dude i mean i'm sure it happens but it shouldn't be happening but not to mention the research uh field is constantly evolving and it can be daunting to keep up with the latest practices in chronic disease prevention. Doctors need to doctors need clear guidelines on how to talk opportunistically to patients giving with obesity or living with obesity about weight loss. Okay. Okay, this can help them to avoid amp Amplifying and stigmatizing stereotypes and give effective help to patients who want to lose weight. I agree with that. That's fine. The bottom line, a small study analyzing doctor conversations and patients reveals that much of the standard weight loss advice is too vague to be useful and occasionally it is inaccurate. Um, this, in this is important to note that this is a tiny peek into medical offices in one country and the one point in time I'm sorry at one point in time and there are many doctors and other medical professionals who are connecting on a personal level and offering uh, referrals to experts on nutrition uh, exercise and community advocacy while much more research is needed and larger conversations around the medical school curriculum and healthcare industry strategy at large are required is or this research shines a spotlight on the need for more discourse about what can actually be supportive 
and fruitful for those seeking to lose weight. Um, since obesity and mouth multifactorial what in the world is wrong with me today? Multifactorial. Oh my god. And simply adhering to restricted diet. Yay, okay. Instead, they suggest a treatment um, strategy that includes nutrition counseling with a registered dietitian, which isn't a bad thing. You, you can do that. Um, behavior modifications focused on areas like stress and management and sleep. Yes. Uh, lifestyle changes, including tailored physical activity advice. Yes. I think that's okay. Assistance with overcoming system systematic barriers such as food insecurity. Mm-hmm. I mean, I agree with that. I know they, they're saying that, you know. Anyway, I, I'm, I'm done with that. I am so sorry for tripping over my words. My bed is comfortable, and I think I might take a nap. Good night. back from watching thank you honey for that I love the background noises <laughs> um I am back from seeing Avatar 2 and to be honest I'm not gonna give anything away but I really really enjoyed it I'm a big fan of the universe and it did not disappoint but, <laughs> there's always a good side and a bad side to every movie, to be honest. There's always something that people nitpick. And I guess I'm going to be that person to nitpick. I love James Cameron's creativity. It's perfect. I, me and my husband saw it in um, 3D, so that was an experience. The only problem is that I feel like James Cameron is recycling certain plots and repurposing it for this new storyline. The only reason why I say that is because there are some repetitive things and maybe it's just because I hate repetition. I've been told the same thing over and over and over again for the rest of my life. Like, even in my childhood, like, I've been told many things, the same things, over and over and over again. And that's probably why I don't like the repetition in the storyline, but it is really good. I feel like his creativity kind of overpowers that repetition. And uh, it was worth the three hours. I enjoyed it. So don't let my opinion stifle you from going and experiencing this movie because it is really beautiful. So, that is my opinion. <laughs> Alright, before I start world news, I just want to thank Romania and Uganda for listening. I am humbled that you have tuned into my little old podcast. I am so grateful that you've tuned in to us. 
and um, this, these stories are dedicated to you. This is how I show my love. So. First up is Romania. NGO completes construction of donation-funded children's hospital in Bucharest. I hope I said that right. If not, I'm sorry. Uh, construction works on the new children's hospital built entirely through private donations and sponsorships in Bucharest have been completed. Local NGO association announced on December 15th, more than 350,000 individuals and over 7,000 companies uh, backed uh, what the nonprofit calls the largest social involvement initiative in Romania. Funds are still needed as the team is now moving on to the next phase, the installation of furniture, testing of installations, and preparation for the reception process. Um, which will start in the first part of the next year. And then the NGO uh, has even bigger plans. <laughs> Completing the construction work for the hospital built together and with the help of the donors and sponsors of it. Sponsors is proof that we can turn our aspirations into reality. We're entering a new project stage, both on the technical side and on the work side with hospital staff and authorities because we want the new hospital to be more than just a building. It must be the place from which the heart of the change in the health system in Romania beats, said Carmen, co-founder of, I don't know how to pronounce that. Um, but anyway, um, the no face, I don't know, we build a hospital. Okay. It's hashtag we build a hospital, but it's in Romanian. So, um, initiative started from the desire to renovate and bring up, uh, to modern standards, the pediatric oncology department of Marie S. Curie. Marie Curie Hospital of Bucharest, or in Bucharest, but uh, turned into a real country project. The first children's hospital uh, built exclusively from donations and sponsorships. The moment uh, we built a hospital uh, means a building of 12,000 square meters and nine levels built from scratch. A thermal plant of 2,400 uh, SQM uh, that will serve the entire Marie Curie Hospital facilities. Um, complaint with modern, compliant with modern uh, standards for hospitals and design project created around the patient and their families. The initiative brings numerous firsts in the public system of Romania, first department of pediatric radiotherapy, a fully glass operating room technology 
di a digitalization BMS system, air treatment plant, top radiotherapy equipment, and human spaces, um, beds for relatives, indoor garden, playgrounds, radio studio, astronomical observatory, relaxation spaces, and so on. Oh, that's interesting. So they're, they're not just taking the medical route, they're also taking a therapeutical route and familial route to kind of like accommodate the families of the loved ones that are in the hospital. That's really, that's really beautiful. Um, in the following years, together with donors and uh, supporters, aims to create the first medical campus in the country and a reference center in SE Europe for the Southeast Europe. Yes, that's what that stands for. For the multidisciplinary treatment of children with serious illnesses at the Mary, the Mary Curie uh, Hospital in Bucharest. Okay. The project will include a second new building and the renovation and modernization of the current one. Also, the association is working on a pilot project for the Department of Pediatric Radiotherapy, the first in the state hospital, which will purpose propose to um, the authorities to identify the best solutions for providing medical services to Western standards in public hospitals, putting the patient in the center or at the center and ensuring performance and respect for the medical staff. The project is based on corporate governance a model and a medical governance model excuse me the idea of a hospital was born in 2015 and today we reach an important moment thanks to the hearts that beat synchron synch synchron I know how to pronounce that word. Why can't it come out? Synchronously to the rhythm of change. The uh, completion of construction and works. But our journey does not stop here. Um, we Build a Hospital is about to uh, is about hope and commitment of all those involved that we can bring a radical change to the medical system in Romania. Okay, let's see. It has been the building and rebuilding um, wards and hospitals for over 10 years, investing more than 43 million euros in the medical system in Romania. Funds raised exclusively from donations and sponsorships. Both companies and individuals can back their ongoing work. Companies can redirect 20% of the profit, income, and tax to the NGO, but donations can also be made online at daruistevieta.ro or by sending a message at 8864 with the text SPITAL for monthly S-P-I-T-A-L, for a monthly donation of four euros. Uh, this year, 
is also the first year in which sponsorships can be made for the previous year, 2021, based on the declaration of 177. So that's really cool. I hope everything goes well for you guys and it sounds like a real vision, so. Okay, next up is Uganda. And to be honest, I might go off because I'm kind of upset, but flooding killed more than 160 people in the DR Congo capital, UN. So, if you guys don't know, the DR Congo is um, a providence or a piece of land within um, Uganda that um, the UN has kind of used as a way of kind of doing whatever they please, whatever they're doing. I don't, I don't like it, for one. I don't know what they're doing there, but the UN is stationed in Uganda for some reason. Um, and the DR Congo is where they stay. And there's a lot of controversy with um, Christians and Muslims there as well. So, and they're not doing a damn thing about it. I don't expect anything from the fucking UN anyways, but like 160 people died in a flooding. Where the hell were you guys? I mean, can we just give the UN a fucking applause? You, that's nice. Fuck you. After an all-night downpour on Tuesday, major roads in the center of Kinisha, Kin, Kinhasha, excuse me, a city of about 15 million people were submerged for hours and a key supply route leading to the port of Matadi collapsed. As of the 16th of December, the Congolese authorities reported that at least 169 people have died, around 30 were injured and receiving treatment in hospitals across the city. At least 280 houses were destroyed, the UN Office for the Coordination of Humanitarian Affairs. Yet, yeah, no, what, what, what the fuck did you guys do? Please explain. Because I see a picture of a power line that could have hit the water and they could have all been electrocuted. But, you know, whatever. <sighs> the government has not announced an increased toll since the Prime Minister's office provisionally put the figure at 120 dead on Tuesday. So there's no update. There's no update of, like, where we're at, where they're at. Like... There could be more. But. The Mont. Uh, Nagafula. I'm so sorry. And. Um, Nagalima. Districts in the capital's west. Were. Um, hardest hit. By the torrential rains. According to the. O a OCHA um, with about th 38,000 people affected. The three-day national mourning period began on Wednesday located on the Congo River. Uh, Kinshasa has 
uh, seen a huge population influx in recent years. Uh, many dwellings were shanty houses built on flood-prone slopes, and the city suffers from inadequate drainage and sewer bridge. So they weren't just in the middle of flooding, they were also in the middle of sewage. They were swimming in sewage. They drowned in, in sewage. That still, that still hurts. That still pisses me off. Um, yeah, no, you win. I mean, that, that's all you did was give an update, receive the update from the prime minister and you didn't do a damn thing. That's what it sounds like to me. But you know what? Whatever. It's fine. My anger aside, my heart goes to the families that did die. I'm really sorry. Thank you very much for listening, and I will see you in the trenches next time. See ya.